This past Wednesday, November 11th, was Veterans Day, a day to remember those who served. But unfortunately, it's become a day that has a lot of confusion around it. It started off as a way to remember the beginning of the end of World War I, when an armistice was signed and fighting was going to be over at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. It was the beginning of the end of World War I. Well, the next year in November 1919, President Wilson declared the first Armistice Day in recognition and remembrance of all of the soldiers who had served in the war. By 1938, it was a legal holiday. But in the 50s, after World War II and the Korean War, they changed the name from Armistice Day to Veterans Day to honor all veterans from all wars. In 1968, the Uniform Holiday Act changed and set aside four holidays, Washington's Birthday, uh, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, and Columbus Day, and declared that they would be celebrated on Mondays to provide three-day weekends for federal employees. The thought was that would uh, give them a chance to travel and it would stimulate the economy. But the problem was people didn't like moving it away from the actual Veterans Armistice Day. And so you had some states celebrating the federally recognized day and others celebrating it on November 11th. Well, in the 70s, President Ford recognized the confusion and set uh, Veterans Day back to November 11th, effective in 1978. You can see with the changes of name and date through the years how it might be that some could lose sight of the importance of the day itself. That happened to me just recently. This past week, we were in Indianapolis for a church conference. Reverend Phil Greenwald, Dr. Bob Long, and myself had traveled there because Bob had been invited to speak to a group of the largest church pastors in the area. There's about 150 people there, and they wanted to hear the message of St. Luke's. They wanted to hear about our history from the pioneer days to time on radio and television to the time that we went to Russia and Edmond to start churches. They wanted to hear about our programs and ministries. They were fascinated to hear about the spirit of the people here. And in remembering and lifting up these memories that have helped to shape St. Luke's, it was strength and hope and ideas for the pastors who were attending the conference with us. Well, on Wednesday morning, we ate breakfast at a restaurant in downtown Indianapolis. And we were sitting by a window, and right outside the window, there was parked an Indianapolis police motorcycle. And on the windshield was a large S. We couldn't figure out what that meant. What did it stand for? What purpose? It seemed to block the vision And we were trying, going back and forth, what could it mean? And then we noticed that there was a group of Indianapolis police officers sitting in the restaurant with us. And so I volunteered to go ask them. Now, they were so gracious and kind, and I asked them, what did it mean? And they said, well, that is part of the Indianapolis police motorcycle drill team. And it is the S 
of Indianapolis, and they spell that out in formation. They perform in parades and events and ceremonies all over the country, and they told me that they would be performing in today's parade. You could tell they were very excited about it, and you know those moments that you just know you should stop when you're ahead? (laughs) Well, I had that moment right there. Uh, Things were going well with me and the Indianapolis police at that moment. Uh, They were very gracious. We were having a great conversation. But I was traveling, and I had lost track of time and what day it was, and, and I couldn't just leave well enough alone. And so I asked them, what parade's going on today? And it grew absolutely quiet. And they looked at me like I came from a different planet. And they all said together, it's Veterans Day. And I was so embarrassed. I started apologizing. I was stumbling over my words. I'm so sorry. I've been traveling. I lost track of time. I'm from out of town. (laughs) I didn't tell them I was from Oklahoma. (laughs) Just, I wasn't from there. Uh, They were very nice. But it was obvious that they expected people to remember the day. And I should have. Veterans Day is a time when we remember those who served. The official reason for Veterans Day, as stated by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, is a celebration to honor Americans' veterans for their patriotism, love of country, and willingness to serve and sacrifice for the common good. It's a day that we remember, and we can't forget to be intentional about remembering. This morning's scripture passage is a look into the life of King David. You may remember last week, Bob was talking about David and assuming the, the, the throne of Israel, taking on a uh, becoming the king after the death of King Saul. And when King Saul and his son Jonathan died, David had been very close to Jonathan. It was his best friend, and he wanted to honor Jonathan. He wanted to remember him. And so he cries out, Is there not anyone left in the household of Saul to whom I can show kindness? He wanted to remember his friendship with Jonathan. Well, today you have King David going out into battle. The Philistines have occupied his hometown of Bethlehem. They've taken it over. And he and his men, the soldiers, are kind of in a stronghold in a cave nearby. And he's looking out into Bethlehem and he cries out. He's speaking out loud, oh, how I wish I could drink from the well in Bethlehem. Now, I think that it's very likely he was physically thirsty. In the midst of war, resources are costly and hard to come by. If they're holed up in a cave, it's probably hard to come and go without revealing your position. So I imagine he was physically feeling the effects of thirst, and he, he longed for water. But I also think something more. He was longing for peace in his hometown. He was thirsting to go and drink from the well there by the gate because that meant he could enter freely into his hometown, that peace was present. Well, the men serving with him heard his cry and they went back to Bethlehem. They went past the enemies and they they were able to obtain the water and they brought it back to David who promptly poured it out. 
Now that troubled me for a long time when I was reading this passage. I can't imagine being one of the men that you risked your life to go get him some water. You bring it back and he pours it out right in front of me. He doesn't even drink it. But of course, something more profound is going on here. They understood that he might have had a physical thirst, but they understood what he was really thirsty for, that he wanted peace. And so their act was symbolic to say that peace would be restored to Bethlehem. And when he saw their sacrifice, when he saw their service, he took that gift of water and he knew that even he as a king was not fit to drink it. And so it was only to be given to God. When we remember the service of veterans and those who have served our country, those who have made a difference in our lives, when we remember, it's like we are taking their gift of service and declaring it as a sacred gift before God. We shouldn't forget to remember. And I think there are three things in this passage that can help us be intentional. The first is that we are all called to give what we can. These men who were serving with David weren't wealthy. They weren't powerful. The only thing they could do is make this act that was symbolic to show that they would give anything. They would follow David anywhere. They believed in the cause that much. They understood that this represented bringing peace and restoring it back to Bethlehem. And so they were showing David and all of their fellow soldiers that they believed in this cause. And it became a sacred gift. Each one of us has unique talents and skills that only we can give. And when we follow Christ, we're called to put the needs of others before ourselves. When we give... Christ can take our gifts and collectively create a greater ministry than any one of us could have done alone. But it begins with us being willing to give what we alone can give. Some of you may be familiar with the singer and actress Lachance. She has won a Tony for the lead in the musical The Color Purple. She's been in the movie The Help and other productions an incredible voice and actress. Well, on September 11th, 2001, she was a young mother of a toddler daughter, and she was seven months pregnant with her second daughter when she received word that her husband, Calvin Gooding, he was a securities trader at Cantor Fitzgerald in the World Trade Center, he had lost his life that day because of the terrorist attacks. In an instant, her world and her future was changed. But she was a woman of deep faith and connection with God, and so she continued on in life. She raised her daughters up, and she continued on in her career. It was in the spring of 2014 that she was starring in the musical If Then with Idina Menzel, And on one of the afternoon performances, Idina said that she was really feeling ill. Well, she made it through that matinee, but that evening, she didn't make it halfway through the show. And she told LaShawns, I can't do this. I am sick. I have to go home. Well, LaShawns was very supportive. And she said, you need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Go home and rest. We'll finish this. 
But she was told, that's not the, the other part of it. I have to sing tomorrow morning at the opening of the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. Can you sing for me? Well, LaShawn told her she would, and she promptly went out on stage to finish the rest of the show. She would receive a text afterwards that told her she had received security clearance because the president would be in attendance. She was told that she needed to arrive at the site by 7 a.m., and she was told that she would be singing the song Bridge Over Troubled Waters with a string quartet. And it was a particularly difficult arrangement, so she needed to listen and rehearse before the next morning's performance. And so after the show, from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m., she practiced and rehearsed and got Bridge Over Troubled Waters down. She decided she needed a little bit of sleep, and so that's what she got, just a little bit. But she woke up early, and she was in the car headed to the ceremony when she received a call. It was from a security official, and he told her, for reasons that I am not able to disclose, you will not be seeing Bridge Over Troubled Waters with a string quartet. You will be seeing Amazing Grace a (laughs) cappella. This was 30 minutes before she was supposed to be there. Now, her manager started to go crazy But LaShawn said that she had such a a wave of peace come over her because it just felt right. She was excited to be able to give back. And so in the remaining minutes, she reacquainted herself with the words to the verses that she would be singing. And when the time came, she stepped out on stage and she said, This is in honor of my husband, Calvin Joseph Gooding. And she went on to deliver an incredible performance. Now, she wasn't a soldier putting her life in harm's way. But as a performer, and anyone in the industry would know that such a moment like that, that's televised, that's so emotional, that everyone is watching, you can't be anything other than perfect. You need to be preparing for months for that moment. And if you aren't, It could ruin your career. And yet she never had any doubts about saying yes to the opportunity and to the changes. She was glad because that moment was not about her career. That moment was a gift that she could give in remembrance of her husband and the father of her daughters. And because of her gift that she was giving, it was a way to honor all of those who had lost their lives at 9-11. Christ can take the gifts that we give and and use them in a way that blesses everyone. But it starts with us being willing to give. Second, we need to remember the gifts of others. When the soldiers brought this gift of water back to David, he understood that it was not just something for him to consume by himself. It wasn't for him. It was meant to be poured out before God. It was meant as a holy and sacred gift, and he honored it that way. We need to remember the gifts and the service of those who have given us such freedom and liberties in this country. While we were in Indianapolis, we had the opportunity to go to the 
Soldiers and Sailors Monument there in the center of the city. I don't know if you've ever been to Indianapolis, but it's an incredible place. In the center of the city is this huge monument at the uh, there are fountains surrounding it, all kinds of sculptures, all given to remember the soldiers of all the wars, those who have served. At the center is an obelisk that is only 15 feet shorter than the Statue of Liberty. It's an incredible work of art, uh, remembering those who served. Underneath the monument is the Colonel Eli Lilly Civil War Museum, and it's to remember the Indiana soldiers who served in the Civil War, and it contains several artifacts and writings of Colonel Eli Lilly. Now, Eli Lilly was born into a Methodist household who had staunch anti-slavery beliefs. In fact, it was those beliefs that led them to move to Indiana. And when the time came, he enlisted in the Union Army to fight in the Civil War and he became known for his leadership. After the war, he wanted a way to remember the service of those who had uh, served and died and those who continued to live. He, he orchestrated parades and events and ceremonies for living Civil War soldiers to, to get back together, but also ways to honor those who had perished in the war. He also uh, built a very successful pharmaceutical business, But even then, he remembered back to the poor quality of medicines that were used during the Civil War, and he dedicated his business to medical research and finding uh, stronger ways to provide better medicine. Today, the Lilly Foundation is known around the world not just for medical research, but also for all of their philanthropic efforts to make a difference in the world. And it started with one man wanting to remember the service of soldiers. He wanted to make a difference, wanted the world to be a better place. It's important that we remember. Today, and in the weeks and months to come, sisters and brothers of ours in Paris will be trying to make sense of the tragedy that has happened this weekend. We may not be able to be physically there with them, but we can, at the very least, remember them. Here in Oklahoma, perhaps better than anyone else, we know how important it is to be remembered in times of tragedy, whether that's an act of nature, an act of cowardice. We know how much it's meant to us, be lifted up in the prayers of people all over the world. And we know that we won't let anyone be alone in their loss or tragedy or grief. And so I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to create a monument. A monument is just a, a reminder, a visual cue to remember. And so somehow create a way to remember the people of Paris and those around the world who have lost so much because of terrorism. Maybe it's a note on your refrigerator or something written on your bathroom mirror or in your daily planner, but create something that reminds you that's a visual cue to remember and then pray for them. Pray for their healing. Pray for their recovery and rebuilding of their city. And more than anything, pray for peace because all the world needs it. It's not just the right thing to do. When we intentionally remember, 
It makes for a better world. It makes a difference. And third, the very best way that we can remember is by living in a new way. For David to receive that gift of water, he knew that it wasn't just meant for him to consume. It was a gift so sacred that he had to pour it out before God. We have received the gift of freedom. And it's not just for us to hold on to and consume. It's a gift so sacred that we're called to pour it out that all can enjoy it. One of the ways that we can ensure that gift of freedom for everyone is we remember those who served and made a difference for us, and we turn right around and we commit ourselves to serving others. Recently, I've been reading the book by the CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz, and the title is For Love of Country, What Our Veterans Can Teach Us About Citizenship, Heroism, and Sacrifice. It's a collection of true stories of the sacrifice and the service of veterans while they were in active duty, but also when they've returned home, and what a difference they've made to the fabric of our country One of the stories that really stuck with me is the story of the Krisoff family. Bill and Christine Krisoff have two sons, Nate and Austin. And after 9-11, Nate was just filled with a desire to make a difference. And he told his family that he was enlisting in the Marines. Well, they weren't very excited, but they supported him. And he went off to training, and he would be sent to Iraq And then the day came in December of 2006 when Bill and Christine were at home and they had a knock on the door. And Bill opened it to find three Marines in their dress blues and an Army chaplain with them. And he knew what that meant. They were there to tell him that their son Nate had died the day before. A roadside bomb had gone off and hit the truck that he had been riding in and he had been killed immediately. Well, for the loss of their son, their youngest son, Austin, had chosen to follow in his older brother's footsteps, and he was now going into the Marines. And his mom, Christine, thought, surely he'll change his mind now. And yet he was, he was even more committed to go into service and honor his brother. They held the memorial service for Nate at, at Christmas time. And Bill just began reflecting back. He had never been excited about Nate going into the military. They weren't one of those military families where someone from every generation was part of uh, military service. Nate just decided this, and he was the first one. And he did it out of a a desire to serve and make a difference after 9-11. And then it, it affected his brother, and his brother went into service. Bill was an orthopedic surgeon, and truth be told, he had always wanted his boys to go into medicine or business. But the day came in 2004 when they saw Nate march across the fields at Quantico, and they were filled with pride and and support for their son. But they knew the war in Iraq was going on, and they were understandably nervous about that. He was shipped off to Iraq about the time that his brother, Austin, was in officer's training. And one of the men in Nate's battalion was killed, and he wrote back to his younger brother. 
in words that were almost prophetic to his own situation. He sent a picture of the soldier who had been killed, and he wrote these words. Never forget that all the trials and training you go through, it's not about you. America's sons and daughters are entrusted to your care. You owe them your discipline, your courage, and your judgment. Keep this picture with you as a reminder of what this is all about. Because when you hear the final roll call, a lone bugle playing taps, and the bagpipes wailing, we better have done everything short of the hand of God to accomplish the mission and bring Marines home. It is a sacrifice he and many others like him have made fighting for each other. Earn it. A few weeks after the memorial service for Nate, Bill returned to his orthopedic practice, but he was very discontent. He heard all about these sore elbows and knees, and he knew deep down inside there were soldiers halfway around the world that were experiencing far worse. He just was troubled and unsettled in his life. A few months later, the, the commander over Nate's battalion came to visit. He was traveling around the United States visiting the families of those who had lost uh, their loved ones in his unit. And he stopped by to visit with Bill and Christine, and he talked to them about the incredible need for good medicine at the battlefield. And in a moment, Bill knew what he had to do. The very next morning, he went to see the Navy recruiter because he wanted to enlist. He was in good physical shape, but the question came to his age. And so Bill told the recruiter that he was 60. And the recruiter said, well, that's a problem. You're too old. It seems that you can join the Reserve Medical Corps at 42 and above if you have a waiver. But the recruiter was really pessimistic that Bill at 60 would get a waiver, and so he just sent him home. Well, the next several months passed, and Bill c- continued to feel kind of this gnawing inside. And then they received an invitation from President George Bush. He would be speaking in their area, and he was inviting families who had lost loved ones in Iraq to come and meet with him. After his speech, he talked to these families and expressed his sympathy for their loss. And then he went around and met with each one individually And he asked them if there was anything he could do to be of help to them. When he came to Bill Krisoff, he he asked, is there anything that I can do for you? And Bill blurted out, I want to be a battalion surgeon, and they tell me I'm too old. And then he went on to say, but no disrespect, Mr. President, but I'm younger than you. (laughs) The president was a little taken aback by that, but he said, let me see what I can do. Three days later, the very same Navy recruiter called Bill and said, I have orders to meet with you by the end of the day. And Bill said, well, that's impossible. I'm taking a horse in the horse trailer, and we're down the road, and I can't make the three hours back to your office. And the recruiter said, that's fine. I'm coming to you then. They filled out the paperwork that night, and a month later, Bill was accepted into the Reserve Medical Corps, and he began his training. He and his wife moved to be near a Navy hospital because he took it so seriously. He wanted even more training. And two years later, at the age of 62, he began his military service. He was sent to Iraq 
He would serve two tours there in Iraq and save hundreds of lives and make an incredible difference. Later on, he would say that he did that as a way to give back in honor of his son. But he said it's not a way to find closure after Nate's death. Any parent who has lost a child will tell you, you don't find closure, but you can find ways that you can do something positive in their memory. He said, when I look at my son's life, Nate and Austin, and I see their commitment to serve and make a difference, he said, I'm humbled by their passion. In most cases, he said, fathers inspire their sons. But this was a case of sons inspiring their dad. When the soldiers brought the water back to David, he was moved and humbled by their gift. Most often, soldiers are inspired by the king, but this was a case of the king being inspired by the soldiers. When we talk about veterans and soldiers, they inspire the very country that they have pledged to serve. And we've been given the gift of freedom and countless examples of bravery and loyalty and sacrifice. We can live differently because they served. We must not forget to remember. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let each one of us lift up our own silent prayers to God.